you know they just think that Harry Maguire is their better because he plays for Man United. He plays terribly for Man United. Let's yeah. judge him on his football and ability for Man United, not the fact that he plays for them. He's absolutely fucking atrocious when he plays for them, and I'm not like. I've I've nearly nearly exploded in this podcast trying to explain this to people. It's not that he's not good enough for Man United. He's fucking not good enough to play football. He's terrible. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. You know, it was a good few days celebrating your wedding, Liam. Good crack. I was actually, I was actually very happy for you. <laughs> then it wasn't so much that I remembered Villa. I remembered our social media account, and I remembered that fucker doesn't run that social media account. He doesn't have to deal. He doesn't have to deal with the with the the abuse that comes with that social media account. So when I put when I put the message out to say, by the way, remember we said there's not going to be a podcast. You can imagine, imagine the onslaught. Enough to ruin any man's wedding. <laughs> Razor Rod, Razor Rod has a theory, right? And I have to tell you, this one stings because it's been ongoing. I've been monitoring Razor Rod's Twitter activity. And he, it's not so much that he's on this, but like he, he's got a theory and he's spreading it. Uh, he wrote, shocker, wedding would have been postponed if we lost. <laughs> and I've seen this a few times obviously Villa were going to play Spurs and I sat there watching the Spurs game absolutely buzzing then I remember I remember there was no podcast then I remember Razor Rudd all the Razor Rudds of this world then I'm watching Villa beat Spurs away from home and I'm not even 100% happy about it because <laughs> I'm paranoid I've become one of them Pat Mustard said after the Spurs game, if we beat Wolves, you can't do another episode until we stop winning. Well, you needn't have worried about that one, Pat Mustard. <laughs> Qatar Lions, like, you know, happy Wednesday to you, Liam. Qatar Lions got, got involved and said, 2023 ruined already. Cheers, lads. <laughs> perhaps perhaps the the most heart-wrenching one yet. Aston Villastado, great account. Follow it if you're not following it. Just wrote two words birthday ruined <laughs> Danny you're joking right you're joking <laughs> Phil Phil actually he's he's really the one who's bang on here and like I have to agree with what Phil said he said do you see it as a good thing people are so disappointed in the comments that you're not doing a podcast or a bad thing that they clearly didn't listen all the way to the end of the last one <laughs> Where we did highlight there would be no podcast. And then Sir Aston Villa said, genuinely heartbreaking. And then he tried to follow up. He tried to follow up by saying, he he replied to himself, couldn't be happier for Liam though. (laughs) Until Vinny got involved and said, nah, mate, he had a World Cup month to get married. This is just fucking selfish. (laughs) You have a good time? You happy? Yeah, I think it's it's funny that you uh, started off there by saying I don't have to deal with the with the Twitter account, but I have to deal with you fucking whinging about the Twitter account <laughs> like, on your wedding day as well. <laughs> and and Razor Rod doesn't doesn't realize that he feels like we part after we lose only because we seem to fucking lose every week. That's the problem. There, it's nothing to do with our podcasting. It's to do with the fact that Aston Villa are shit. Can you give me throw that one back at us? We're all at fault here for supporting this club. <laughs> well, we might as well get into it because there were three games since we've been away. Three games. The opposition got progressively worse. I think that's fair to say. We went from Champions League contenders to relegation battlers to League Two team. And as the opposition got progressively worse, so too did Aston Villa's results and so too did Aston Villa's performances. Now, we've got a lot to pick through. I'm going to elevate the vitamin meter into the WhatsApp whingiest slot for this podcast just because it's going to be hard to talk about a player when a lot of the players have gone back and forward over the last three games. So we need to sort of get a state of the nation before we can go any further. But I think we might as well just do the top of the show like we would normally do the top of the show and just go through the goals. So like, obviously there'll be tactics talk, there'll be more breakdowns of each of the players, maybe some things to stand out along the way, but... It all started 
good. It's hard to get back into that frame of mind now since we've been away. And, you know, this is what Razor Rudd wants to believe. He wants to believe now that we're going to talk about Villa beating Spurs away from home 2-0 and be pissed off about it. But um, if you can just journey back to that game in isolation, I mean, we got the two goals. The the Douglas Louise goal, that was the second one. Amazing stuff. Like, unbelievable stuff for Kamara. They win that ball back off Kane to get it to to get it to Dougie, to get it to John again, the little ball over the top, and Dougie's finish was just filth. And the Buendia goal, I mean, we only talked about Hugo Lloris after the World Cup. It was it was the second last podcast we did before this one, and Hugo Lloris just gifts the ball back. It's a Douglas Lloris shot. This is the first goal. And I wouldn't even say he spills it out. Like, like he threw it out. He went on his knees and threw it out. Ollie Watkins gets in front of everyone, gets it back to Buendia, and that's a goal. But no more than you'd expect, really, from Hugo Lloris, who has announced his international retirement today. <laughs> it's, just, it's unbelievable that he was able to call time. His decision is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's, it's, re- it's really not a good shot from Douglas Lloris. There's nothing on it. Bit of a bounce. But it's from so far out and lacking any sort of power that Lloris can surely tell it's going to bounce and prepare himself, set himself. And even if he doesn't do that, like I said, there's nothing on the shot. So just catch it. And and seeing as he hadn't set himself for the original shot, how has he found it so hard to adjust? He's got nothing to adjust from. Is he just standing there like a fucking brick wall? He can't even react to his own cock up. He's going stumbling out after like a pisshead trying to grab a golden ticket in the crystal dome. It's unbelievable. <laughs> You've touched on something there. Why is Douglas Louise? so bad at shots from the edge of the box like what 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 is it that he's so good from the corner flag that he can produce the the tastiest filthiest bit of composure right in front of the goal but when he's when he's 20 25 yards out like that was a bad shot but maybe maybe he was just playing the man maybe he was just playing Hugo <laughs> him into the game get the race into the game as much as possible. I was actually thinking as he was lining that up, this would be better off if Douglas Louise just turned and faced the dugout and tried to shoot from that direction. He had a much more chance of it going in. <laughs> the only other talking point from that game was, uh, I don't know if you noticed, like you were getting married in fairness, um, I'm, I'm going <laughs> off on honeymoon, but the commentary for this game all throughout was... I mean, make your blood boil. I know everybody's always paranoid about their own club, but it, this was just a classic example. And I think it's 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 always more noticeable when it's Aston Villa. It's not like it's not like it's just any other team. It's not like it's Norwich, you know, which would be a bit more excusable if you wanted to make the story all about the big team <laughs> Spurs playing Aston Villa. What's between these clubs, really? Nothing, really. I would say. Um, and it was like. It's like you're watching an England game at the World Cup where the focus is naturally on England when they're playing at Iran. Like it's, it's it's going to be centered that way. And the BBC Sport website, like the BBC, so concerned with neutrality. Somebody's doing their live blog. And as Aston Villa score, another Premier League team, all the story that's there, you and I, Emery, new manager, what a result this is. Oh dear. <laughs> 1 0 to Aston Villa. What, what, what is going on here? Like, that isn't just paranoia, right? That is a bit weird the way these teams are covered. No, like, it's not paranoia because we talk about it all the time. It's the top six bias. It absolutely exists and it exists because most people don't really like football as much as we do. Like, not, not even your pals in the media. You know this. You've worked with them. You've, we've all read their output. Like, they follow the World Cup and the Euros. They watch the quarterfinals of the Champions League and they keep an eye on the top six in the Premier League. <laughs> and because that's all they're all doing, they're all doing it because that's the zenith of their creative output, following the narrative and copying and pasting. And if, and if you're listening to this and work in the media and are offended, don't worry. I said most people. If you're offended, you're probably not included in the most people. Either that or the mirror being held up to your face is fucking devastating. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty offended right now. <laughs> they went on to the Wolves game then home match as well like just to make it worse we go away to Spurs and we dominate them and we come back at home to Wolves and Jesus we got fucking destroyed in this match it was crazy but uh, Wolves got the goal and it was a disappointing goal what I would say that that made the disappointment less if this is really a thing 
that goal was coming whatever way it came like they didn't score then it was coming two minutes later that goal was coming as sure as night follows day and it's i don't want to say it's nice footwork um from potence definitely a nice finish but douglas louise i have written down that, that he was a statue he went down on his knee he went down on his knee and he went back to the old doggy bad doggy and you know we can come back to that a bit more in the vitamin meter but that was shocking stuff. Like you say, Wolves were going to score if Douglas Louise didn't make a mug of himself there. It was going to keep going until Wolves did score. But then we get back into it and Danny Ings comes on and he scores a goal. It's a beautiful Tyrone Mings assist. Just just lofted it over, curling into the space, delicate like a little pitch in golf. Danny Ings runs on. If you look at the shot from behind the goals, Ings isn't even in shot. He's coming from the sideline darting across the line he's nowhere near offside it's brilliant stuff uh gets onto it what is the keeper doing he's, he's slipping all over the place and danny ings just reacts by lifting it over him um that was a nice goal and imagine all your danny ings right you've come on you've sort of been a bit screwed over like the last game you've played you scored two goals villa win two one away to brighton but then there's a world cup and you're dropped through no fault of your own really and you come on in the derby match you get the equalizer and not only that, you then rescue a really bad clearance from Emmy Martinez in the 94th minute. You take a brilliant touch in the middle. Like you react to this ball first, take a brilliant touch, take it away from the defender. You're in your own half. You turn, you play an unbelievable ball right over the top onto your whippet attacker called Leon Bailey. The, the Imagine, this is Danny Ings and Leon Bailey. They truly are the future. Here was the future. This was it. Danny Ings plays him right over the top. It's going to be replayed for years and years. Big derby victory. Villa coming from behind. 94th minute. Danny Ings is going to be that hero from now until forever. And then Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey. <laughs> he, he, doesn't, he doesn't ship the keeper like it was there for him the way Danny Ings did it. It was bouncing in front of him. Um, instead, he tries to round the keeper and he... It does it like it's it, it's fine. Like I, I think I'm I'm looking at that more harshly now because he didn't score. But he gets around the keeper, and it's just uh, it's awful. Like I'd say he would feel better about that if he had a uh, just hit the ball properly. But he just scuttered it out. Like he, it was pathetic, pathetic connection with the ball. <laughs> it it went wide. I I honestly I I was sick to the stomach. Not even for the result. Not even for Aston Villa, for Danny Ings. I was so upset for Danny Ings. I had such a terrible night's sleep, and it was one of those ones where my, my girlfriend thought, you know, she 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 thought there was something wrong with me, so she started asking me, and I think she thought I this was going to be one of those moments where you know we have a heart to heart, and I start opening up, and she starts seeing inside my true feelings and my true soul, and I have to tell her that I'm not able to sleep because a footballer couldn't put the ball into the net. Like, how sad is my life? But that, that was genuinely the case. That's what kept me awake at night. You had a big decision to make there, didn't you, really? Whether or not you were going to admit the reason or just lie and then, hope, you know, maybe absolutely crush her mental state. But... <laughs> I think I did crush her. <laughs> you really, you're such a loser. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know I've been away for a week, but you've, you've talked about the whole match there. So I'm, I'm going to have to come back and... <laughs> it's like you've forgotten how to have a conversation. <laughs> so about, about six or seven minutes ago, you, you talked about Bodens. I think, I think it's, it's absolutely incredible from Bodens. I mean, the, the footwork and the finish are both gorgeous. And what else could Doggy really do in that situation? I mean, he's gone he's gone bounding in as fast as he could and then sat down like a good boy. I mean, it's, it's defending 101, really, isn't it? Run as fast as you can. And make sure you sell yourself as easy as a discount the jar of Nutella in a supermarché, and then take the fucking knee in front of Daniel fucking Podence for some reason, as as if he was ever exalted royalty. What the fuck was he playing at? Unbelievable. <laughs> the the pass from Mings. This is Ings. This is about four and a half minutes ago. The pass from uh, Mings is <laughs> is absolutely brilliant, and Ings takes advantage. Like you said, it was brilliant from Ings. It, it is. It's good, but he takes advantage of one of the most shambolic defensive lines I have ever seen. I mean, it's all over the place. And the build-up play isn't quick. And Tyrone Mings is on the ball. It's going over the top. What is he doing? <laughs> Luckily, Jose Sa has been taking goalkeeping advice from Hugo Lloris as well. 
You'll never come on to the man himself. I mean, it's just... Are you still going? <laughs> it's it's really really not good enough from from a man who scores every game he plays, who has who has the highest stats and ratings from statisticians, Conan, and the potential to be the best in the world runs through <laughs> his every move. It's, it's, it's absolutely dreadful. I mean, I've seen. I've seen more conviction from Hugo Lloris coming off his line. I mean, he's, he's essentially missed the ball three times in the last yeah. three games. And he's had glorious opportunities for each. He's missed the ball with his feet. He's a footballer. Yeah. Yeah. He had a big chance at the start of that Wolves game as well, where um, Douglas Louise played him in. Oh, it's just Douglas Louise has got his back to the box. And he, he just, I don't even know how to describe it. He, he He's got it's his right foot and he plays it around his left foot while he's facing away. It's just just gorgeous stuff and it's bounced up for Leon Bailey who just pulls it so far wide. It's 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 an all shit attempt for a really big chance and that could have changed the the sway of the game. But look, I'm conscious of letting you in now to reply to what I've just said. <laughs> yeah, and then we come on to the the Stevenage horror show, like just a terrible nothing performance anyway uh, we lost this one so we went from went from win draw loss uh sanson gets the goal um you know big big victory for me big victory for all the the twitter sanson stands out there big loss for you you'd say um <laughs> <laughs> this was a decent goal what i would say about it is that bailey tried to give it away like bailey tried to ruin his move by firstly standing on the ball and doing nothing and then by trying to by trying to play it straight to Sanson when it obviously wasn't on, and it, it deflects through to Danny Ings, who has the wherewithal and the nice first time touch to to get it to, back to Sanson, who takes a pretty bad touch. I think it's, it takes him away from the goal, and he strikes it hard and low. I don't think it's great goalkeeping. I think if that was one of one of ours, we would be unhappy. He kept it close enough to the keeper. I don't know. Good to see him get a goal though. He's um he's always ne- never lacking for effort when he does get a chance. Yeah, I mean, the, the the interplay is the is decent. Sanson's touch is terrible, and the finish is worse. And luckily, the goalkeeping is worse again. But I like I was screaming at the wall for the first minute, thirty minutes of this game. Sorry, the, the game is projected onto the wall. I hadn't completely lost my faculties. I came about an hour later, <laughs> facing away from the game. Screaming. <laughs> I was screaming, pass the ball to each other, pass it forward. Like I, I really don't understand that is. How this mindset sets in, how this pattern develops. We've seen it with Ireland too often. But that's fucking Jeff Henrik. I mean, this shouldn't be happening with these players that are on the pitch. Pass the ball forward. Take it back from the person you've given it to if the pass hasn't worked. Win it back if you've lost it. Just keep trying to score. You're playing Stevenage. It's nil all. And you're playing Stevenage. Like If you want to win a game, you have to try to win it. You have to... <laughs> You have to have the confidence to give and take the ball in tight spaces and the confidence to know you'll win it back. And the cop on to realise if you lose the ball, Stevenage are 70 yards from your goals and it's Stevenage. Just <laughs> fucking try to pass the ball forward. It's infuriating. Yeah. Well, we can come on to the first Stevenage goal. It's too late. I don't even want to say sucker punch. How kind would that be to Aston Villa? Like Two, two late goals to win the FA Cup match for Stevenage, to win the knockout match. And... Uh, Leander did Donker. I mean, if we were having a what the fuck award, well, he wins it. Um, so many layers to this. He gets the ball of Olsen. Like, wake up, sharpen up, hurry up. Like, what are you doing? And then when when he does get put under pressure because he's sleeping on the ball, like, hold the man off. Like, react, keep holding the ball, get rid of the ball. It's like so many different outs there. Then when he loses it, he can't even he can't even make the foul outside the box. He tried <laughs> tries to foul him outside the box and he fails and he he tries again inside the box and fouls him properly this time. Gets it done, gets sent off, and yeah, like the, the penalty was always going in. I, I was just ready to be angry that it was going to go straight down the middle, but it wasn't exactly a, a great penalty. But Olsen got out of the way of it. <laughs> well, yeah, when he gets the ball. Dendonker's in about 15 yards of space as well. Yeah. And you know, about, about 15 minutes before that, he took the ball into feet from Olsen and turned around into space. And I rebuked myself for thinking, he didn't have a look there. I was like, come on, come on, Liam. He's, he's a professional footballer playing yeah. centre midfield in the Premier League and for the Belgian over 65s. He's, <laughs> he's, had, he's had a look. 
Well, I'd like to publicly apologise to myself because it turns out that Donker has about as much appreciation of space as the captain of the fucking Evergreen. I mean, what the fuck was that? And the turning angle of it as well it was unbelievable. I mean, the pressure comes on, he still tries to... You're at the edge of the box! It's you and your fucking hologram that's defending the goals now. You have to get rid of that. You try and knock it around them, try and nutmeg them. There's three lads converging on you. Fucking kick it out for a corner, do anything other than that. Yeah. And then it comes to the winner. I mean, I mean t- talk about people taking naps. Ollie Watkins, I don't know what's happening here. Like, I don't even know. He definitely should be reacting now, but I assume he was supposed to be on the front post. I don't know where our players were. I know we're a man down, but there's, there's a player somewhere. Like Somebody needs to react. Like, take take control of this situation. There's somebody standing. Stephen, he's took their time with that corner. They were happy. Like, they probably would have preferred to get a replay at home. But Villa, the Villa took that opportunity off them. The Villa said, "No, no, come ahead into the box here." And Ollie Watkins is sort of looking around, thinking, "Should I go? Should it be me?" Like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll go." No, I'll go and leave it all down to the hologram. Like, talk about Ollie Watkins should have gotten out quicker. But now, now I'm thinking Ollie Watkins should have just fucking stayed there and tried to save it because anything. <laughs> Any shot and target, as we know, is more or less a goal. Robin Olsen got a clean sheet against Spurs. Unbelievably, probably says more about Spurs, but this was bad. Like This was really bad. It was, it was really bad. I mean, Watkins isn't in a great position because he either goes to the man and then, and then he gets knocked to the guy who took the corner. But the guy who took the corners towards the byline. Only Watkins has to realise that. The, the threat here now is the guy inside the box in line with the near post, you have to go out to him and you have to go out to him a lot quicker. He has to make a decision. He has to make any decision. Do something. Don't just fucking amble out as if this isn't the last minute of an FA Cup game. What the fuck was he playing at? He did nothing and he did too fucking slowly as well. Yeah. Anyway, we'll come back to a lot of players in the Vyman meter next. All right. The Vyman meter going up. Or do you know what? I put that with a question mark. Douglas Louise and Bubakar Kamara, they ran the show against Spurs. It was joyous. It was amazing to see Villa have two centre midfielders that can play together, that can dominate the best teams. If you give them a bit of space, they will punish you. Like they really control the match. It was a lesson in midfield play. Like they really exposed Spurs as well. It was, it was great stuff. Um really made me like this this is a problem actually recently under the Emery era until Stevenage in the first half against Wolves but it made me <laughs> it made me look at the good thing that I'm watching Dougie and Kamara and like why the fuck did Gerard sign Kamara if he's not going to play the two of them together it was right there under his nose but uh he didn't and like the way they performed it was it was brilliant heartening then it got to Wolves and I think initially I was sort of Obviously, Wolves set up for Douglas Louise and Kamara now, who just beat Spurs, basically. They they, they had Matinho and they had uh, He Chan sort of pushing up and tucking in, and they were right on these guys, and they obviously weren't giving them a bit of space. And I was critical of the other Villa players for not giving them the ball because they're seeing the Wolves player. But though I was thinking Kamara and Douglas Louise can take that ball under pressure, just give it to them. But as the more I watch the game, the more I realize that they're not they're not showing for it though. They're not hunting for it. Like as much as I think they could take it under pressure, drop the shoulder against Wolves attackers, they, they didn't really say, give me that fucking ball. They didn't look frustrated that they weren't getting the ball. And that's why Mings almost recorded record touches for for a villa player. That's why Kanza was always on the ball. That's why Luca Dean was always giving the ball away. It was it was only our defence who were free and those two were recovered and I don't think they showed enough to, to get on the ball. Yeah, I think that's happened a fair few times uh, under Emery as well where the players just haven't figured out yet where they're supposed to be to get on the ball and to completely dominate games. I mean, if you're saying during the Wolves game was remarkable how many times an Aston Villa defender got on the ball, that fucking really tells you something about the performance <laughs> of the midfield because, Jesus Christ, their Mings touches the ball an awful lot of times. Yeah. And you think about the Spurs game and Douglas Louise's goal, I didn't get a chance to come in on that area for some reason. It's an <laughs> it's an absolutely brilliant goal and three midfielders are combining and each one showing off a 
you know, the key skills of a centre midfielder, really, the, the aggression, the tenacity, and the, the nose from Kamara to realise the Spurs midfielder was going to be dicking around on the ball, and the quick movement of the ball from Dougie, and then the attack and aggression from him to run into the box and from begin to look forward with the pass as well. And the run from Dougie and the ball from begin are brilliant. And the first touch from Dougie, Jesus. I'd fucking marry that if I could. And then <laughs> the delicious little finish. What what more could a man want than a woman? I mean, a passage of play. It's it was, a, it was an absolutely incredible, <laughs> incredible piece of piece of midfield play from the three of them. And it just all went to absolute shit against Wolves. Yeah. So where where do we stand on them? Are they are they neutral? Are they going up? Like I, I want to say they're going up because it was so good against Spurs. And I, I, yeah. I think because if they flew so far up so far up in the first four games under Emery, I don't think they can I don't think they can go up after that because it was a very good game against Spurs and then nonsense after that. Well, that's a very good way to tee up this next pit fella who's gone so far down every single time he played. His name is Robin Olsen, but relatively he must have flew up higher than anybody's ever flown up the lineman meter. Um, like not only did he not concede three goals for the first time, he, he kept a clean sheet. He kept a clean sheet against Spurs. Remember we tried to give him the praise after he conceded three goals against Liverpool. It's like, well, he wasn't directly at fault for any of the goals. Um, it wasn't good. And turns around and gets a clean sheet against Spurs and we win 2-0. Um, uh, like what, what were Spurs' big chances? So I mean, Perisic skied one, and then Ashley Young dived across the line, and a much more convincing impression of a goalkeeper than Robin Olsen <laughs> has ever given. And the reason Ashley Young has to do that is because Robin Olsen has gone for a fucking wanders if somebody's just walked out of a old folks' home, lost <laughs> and confused. <laughs> Yeah, okay, but like again, I'm talking about how far down he would have been. He didn't for, go up because of either of those two things. <laughs> he goes up because he had Ashley Young on the line with him. He, ha- he had the nice to bring Ashley. What what a fucking clearance, by the way. Oh, like that was unbelievable. Not only to react to that, to dive across, use the neck muscles, get it around the post. That was Harry Kane's, like the first time Harry Kane looked like he was going to hit the target in that game. Like Harry Kane had another big chance that he sliced with his left foot over the bar. Um, Olsen didn't have much to do you're right I actually looked at a catch that he caught late on and I was like wow <laughs> that's good like that that, that was non-eventful like I, I genuinely had him going up further because he caught the ball and went down on his belly um, <laughs> obviously he was shite against Stevenage overall I still think he's going up you can put him up if you want, Connor. <laughs> we're going down and we'll come back to some of the tactic talk, but Emery has to go down overall because why does Robin Olsen have to play? <laughs> really? Like, what, what, is, what is this about? Like, what, like, I know teams have an FA Cup keeper. It's usually because they have a really good keeper in reserve. <laughs> it's usually because if their keeper gets injured, they want the other keeper to have a bit of experience. I don't want, if Emmy Martin is injured, I don't want Robin Olsen coming in so we don't need him playing any more games I don't need him having 90 minutes under the belt losing to Steven it doesn't make me any more confident when he comes back in later in the year yeah it doesn't make him any more confident either it doesn't like every time he plays he see, like, it, it, it will affect his confidence negatively because he'll remember every time he plays that he's not very good at goals like it's 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 completely counterproductive you better off just letting him sit at home and collect his preposterous paycheck for you know, based on how good he is at actual the sport that he's being paid for, let him sit at home, collect that, and confuse himself and convince himself that maybe he's actually not terrible because he's getting paid twenty grand a week. <laughs> well, John McGinn is a classic case of when you're not involved, your stock can go right up. And in fairness, he was he was brilliant against Spurs. He was very good against Liverpool. The game before that, that's the only games he played. He he avoided the disasters against Wolves and. Stevenage, so he's going up, and I have him going up alongside Danny Ings. Would you agree with both of those? Ah, yeah, John McGinn has been brilliant since Emery came in, and like I said last week or two weeks ago now, sorry. Uh, that <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I think that he's found his position. It's it's the perfect position for him with his aggression, running ability, and decent ball playing ability. It's a much better suit him. The style of play that we're playing is a good fit for John McGinn. It's good to see him getting back to something of a recognisable footballer. Danny Ings has been brilliant as well. It's really four goals in four games. Amazing. 
The Villa account tried to tweet something cheeky saying Danny Ings has six goals and eight starts. And they, they tweeted that after his goal against Wolves in which he came off the bench and scored a goal. So they were counting that goal, but they weren't counting that appearance. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just want to keep an eye on, especially for Aston Villa's status. Uh, but you've teed up nicely the John McGinn thing because I think you're right. I think it, that, that position really does suit him on the left-hand side. I think there's somebody that position really does sit on the left-hand side as well, and he came back into the fray from the bench against Stevenage, and, and it's no coincidence that you're back podcasting now that Jacob Ramsey's back involved. <laughs> <laughs> but the other two options, I have them going down, Buendia and Coutinho. I'm going to, this is basically a WhatsApp winge, but I'm finished. I'm finished with boys with no power. I just <laughs> I can't, I can't be having it. I'm not writing off Messi just yet. But like, <laughs> they just don't, especially if they want to play wide, they just don't have it. Like when he is just lacking it, he look he looks like an underage player that, that could come good if he gets a a growth spurt if he grows into his man strength. He's just not covering enough ground. It, too often he's knocking the ball around somebody, and it's the right thing to do. But it's not because he doesn't have enough pace or strength to get round him the other side. Um, when has been up and down anyway, but I think recently they're definitely going down. Continue. I mean, Jesus, like, what? <laughs> that Stevenage game was bad enough, but I had to watch Philip Continue shoot every time he got on the ball. I mean, <laughs> he's just going from one idea to the next, like game by game. He's not, he's not bringing different ideas in these performances. He's just deciding to do one thing each game. And yeah, these two are frustrating the hell out of me right now. Yeah, like you can't you can't play like these two unless you're absolutely killing the opposition with your passing and your through balls and your control of the game and around the middle of the pitch. You can't you can't be getting away with the absolute lack of power or pace. All of it, it's 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 incredibly frustrating to watch because they don't seem to have figured it out yet in their own fucking heads. I mean, what age are they? They don't know that they can't run past people anymore. Not even anymore. They just never. They never could. They don't have it. They don't have it in their legs. All somebody has to do is stand in front of them, and they're just bouncing off their bellies and falling to the ground most of the time. And you said you haven't written off Messi. Messi was fast as well. You know, but pace is is one one side or one part of the equation for power. Messi was able to get away from people. These boys can't even do that. They can't muscle them past them, and they can't run past them either. It's it's grim watching them at the minute. I should clarify, yeah, I mean Messi now, like the, this iteration of Messi who's, who is still using mostly skill and body movement to still get round players, but like, yeah, Messi was like lightning, like, he was rapid, Messi did have power across the ground, you're right, because he had a big percentage of speed to add into that equation. But, he, but even still, comparatively, he's, he's fast compared to Benigno as yeah. well, even at the age of 35. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody who is blessed with speed, but I'm not seeing it mattering right now at the minute is uh leon bailey he's definitely going down the the tears make it a little bit harder um what yeah you know like it, as emory said it shows that he feels it and i have to say like it, i didn't care much for it that night because I, I was crying more than he was maybe um and for longer into the night did feel a little sorry for him but fuck me like just release the ball every so often god almighty like this boy he's, he's, he's like Somebody you play with at lunchtime, he just just can't let the ball go. He just pass it, just pass the ball. He can't, he can't, can't get it out of his feet. Not he can, but he won't. He just stands on the ball until he loses. Yeah, it shows that he feels it. It shows that he deals with it badly. That's actually what it shows. I don't want my fucking footballers lying on the ground crying. This is we're mid season here. <laughs> we drew the game. Is this isn't the lessness. Like Zidane walked off the pitch having ended his career in ignominy, headbutting somebody in an unbelievably bizarre circumstance. In a game and tournament, he was dominating. Going into penalties, he would have taken the first one and put it into the net. He walked off the pitch, passed the World Cup trophy, head held high. <laughs> you know, Bailey's lying on the ground crying because he fucking missed the football. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the last the last moment of the match against Stevenage as well. Le- Do you know what it was? Leon Bailey takes a heavy touch into two Stevenage players with a third coming in anyway who was going to get there before Bailey if he hadn't <laughs> passed it to the other two. 
It was unbelievable. That, that sums up Liam Bailey the last three games. He needs to be taken out of the firing line. Yeah, there was one just to circle back on Coutinho as well while we're at it. Um, he tried to took, took a really bad touch about 30 yards out and then dived basically. I don't know if he dived or he was weak. Like it's choose your poison either way. No, you look <laughs> shit. <laughs> Fell to the ground and the ref just said, nah, you're all right, mate. And Wolves come straight pissing through the middle. It was unbelievable that we didn't... Uh, we didn't concede more in that game, but um, yeah, we, we we've done enough on Coutinho. Maybe you're right on Bailey. The last one going down. Look at Dean. Jesus Christ! I mean, <laughs> what what are we seeing of this? Like, uh, was it the Liverpool game where I was giving him a bit of sympathy? Like, he was frustrating because he was always on the ball, so it was more jarring that he was always losing the ball. But I sort of gave him a. Bible because he was he was always honest, but then <laughs> after watching him against Wolves in particular, it's like, yeah, he's just giving it away. No matter how much he's on it, he's giving it away. I wish he was on it less. And like Ogden Stinson replaced him, and he was way better, way better. It didn't do anything spectacular, although he did have a spectacular volley that got unbelievably cleared off the line. It was a brilliant clearance, but um, just felt so sorry for Ogden Stinson as well. He probably never connect with a ball as good in his life, but he was just solid when he came out and do anything special, but he was better than Luca Dean. And, and I actually, it wasn't even hindsight at half time. I would have taken Luca Dean off. I was surprised that he took Ashley Young off to bring Matt Cash back. I would have just moved Ashley Young to left back because you could tell Luca Dean was having one of these performances. And I think, I think we've seen these two often recently. Oh, very recently. And they've been back to back as well. I mean, I was saying after the, the last game, he, he, like in the Liverpool game, he just wasn't that. He wasn't as clean as he normally is. He wasn't striking the ball as well. He's a little bit deliberative, but he's just he's continued with that as well. I mean, he's he's all over the place. His touch and his striking ability of the ball are gone completely, and he's in too prominent a position in the team in the setup to be playing like that. Yeah, you and I, Emery's next. That was a cathartic Feynman meter. So we'll see after this. I've been letting you down, down. You think what? you think Harry Maguire's a bigger loss than Harry Kane? Yeah, I do. You lose Harry Maguire. That's a big problem for Gareth Southgate. His biggest problem? Yeah, I think it's his biggest problem. Are you mental? This is analysis that you have to pay to get. <laughs> That's bollocks on so many levels because, like, number one is Harry Maguire. Oh, God, I cannot believe that Harry Maguire has played six games this season and he's made the same mistake five times. Number two, the drop off from Harry Maguire to Tyrone Mings is not what Gary fucking Neville thinks it is. And I remember we were saying, Harry Maguire. Gary Neville, for some reason, has disappeared up Gareth Southgate's arse. I think we've got the best manager we could possibly have for an international team. I just don't know why Gary Neville is persistent in trying to talk him into Franz Beckenberg. He's a fucking siren calling England to shipwreck. Harry Maguire injured, I think the ability to go to a back four is lost. He was by far the worst player on the pitch. Come He's on, uh, really shit. <laughs> Imagine Harry Maguire was missing. Harry Maguire! <laughs> but it's absolutely unbelievable how whenever you play a ball to a fridge, you end up conceding the chance. Most blocks, most interceptions, most headers, most tackles. For Man United, he had more blocks than Lindelof. Harry Maguire! Harry Maguire. He just cannot get the ball out of his feet. Now. 
And I know he cost 80 million, so it must be difficult for people to, to make the link that he's actually shit, but just make that link. Harry Maguire. The situation got out of 50% of Gareth Southgate's preferred team started the Champions League final three weeks ago. We've collected more trophies in England than Harry Maguire has convictions in Greece. Harry Maguire! You would pick a team with Maguire and Calvert-Lewin rather than Mings and Harry fucking team. Uh, 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 apologies to the fans. There's no emotion behind it. England's most important player is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire! <laughs> that is just insane stuff. Grow up, Gary Neville. All right, let's start with the uh, you. All right, let's start with the uh, Tim Sherwood. We played two number tens and bamboozled them. Award bit of positivity to get us going here. I think if we're looking at it overall at the minute, you and I, Emery, has played five league games and we've gotten ten points. We've gotten ten points from. Games against United, Brighton away, Liverpool, Spurs away, Wolves. Would have bitten your hand off for that. It's probably frustrating that we did drop points against Wolves. Um, but that that's definitely a good return. I think we're in sixth in the table since Emery's come in. Fucking Brentford. Like these Brentford and Brighton are making and Fulham are making it really hard for me to enjoy football at the minute because <laughs> the wheels factor, you know, where you've got this you have this real trigger for Wales doing well because you look at it I know you look at it from an Irish point of view and like that that should be us that could be us they're not any better than us why, why is it so enjoyable for them I think I'm having that with, with Brentford and Fulham and, and Brighton um, but we've done well in the league since Emery's coming I'm looking at those teams and thinking Jesus this is going to get great whenever those teams start fucking capitulating yeah. <laughs> Villa will definitely catch those teams and it's a it's a really good return from those set of fixtures, particularly when you consider how poorly we played in the first half against Wolves as well. To get ten points from five games in any set of fixtures is brilliant, but that's not an easy run of fixtures by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And one week I went away for one week I asked Aston Villa to keep their shit together and they kept it together, but as well as Christian Bale when someone walks past with a cup of coffee. Imagine having a meltdown complaining that somebody walking past took you out of your zone, made you realise you weren't actually at war with cyborgs in a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> anyway, I'm not an actor. I'm sure it's pretty difficult. It, it, it was it was a great week up until up until the FA Cup game. The you know the game that Dunia Emery is supposed to win. He said he wants to win the fucking competition, and it really took the gloss off the honeymoon. If I'm being honest, I mean it was supposed to be. <laughs> It's supposed to be a week of, of good food, but Aston Villa always just make sure the, the lemons taste that bit more bitter. <laughs> a week of relaxing, but you know, Aston Villa always just take it a bit too far and slip you a laxative and make sure you're sitting there wallowing in your own shit. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to start by being positive. Yeah, I know, but where does this go, though, Conan? Go to Stevenage. <laughs> The honeymoon is well and truly over. <laughs> and then against Wolves at half time, we switched to 4 2 3 1. <laughs> so that was a really good switch, I thought, because there was a proper mulling in that first half. I've already described it, but Lee Henry actually on commentary described it as one way traffic. And I, I thought of that analogy and I was like, that doesn't do it justice. It was fucking motorway, a four lane motorway of cars fucking streaming down every one of them breaking the speed limit all going in the one direction like it was more than one way traffic it was just uh, it was uh, the fastest river in Europe just going right through our defence and it wouldn't stop (laughs) but he made the changes made the changes at half time and we dominated the second half he he, he moved Bailey out wide he put Puente into the centre just gave us a bit more of a foothold in the middle he brought Coutinho on and yeah, it was it was better to have more bodies in midfield than we arrested the slide anyway. Didn't have time to look up the fastest flowing river in Europe, Conan, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Give you a clue. It's where you fucking live. Is it, is, it the foil? is it the river foil? <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit it in. 
<laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It was. It, it was a terrible first half. But and that, and that was so heartening in that he was able to correct it. That he was able to see what he had to do to fix it and completely turn it around. Put you know, put a dam in that river, Conor, and stop it in its tracks. Uh, it was. It was a brilliant piece of brilliant piece of management from him that he ruined in in the next game. <laughs> um, the we don't need to talk about this, but I, I liked his nomination. He exposed the Spurs midfield and match of the day did a good package on just how they were all over the place. Heiberg was dropping into defence, and it was really that. That's why Kamara and well, and McGinn as well, but Kamara and Dougie made such hay. They, they just found so much space in that middle for Spurs who were so keen to try and you know make use of the width and Villa were, were ready for it but the the only other nomination I have for the Tim Sherwood we played two number 10s and bamboozled them was a move that I, I wouldn't have done he, he brought he brought Ings on for Watkins in that Wolves match and obviously like I say Ings got us back into the game and should have won us the game with that pass unbelievable pass fuck me <laughs> um, but I would I, I would have taken Buendia or Bailey off just because like the, it was Buendia, Bailey and Luca Dean I was looking at thinking I was actually thinking in fairness to Emery this is tough because they're all playing shit <laughs> and you know I think Emery might have gotten it right because as shit as they were playing like Buendia and Bailey especially <laughs> he didn't really want to change the structure and in a way Bailey was actually close I'm about to mount a little defensive Bailey. <laughs> Bailey, Bailey was was so close to finishing a game stronger than he started, and <laughs> it wasn't a big ask. It wasn't a big ask because obviously he started really badly, but I hadn't seen him improve as the game went on, and he definitely did that somewhat against Wolves <laughs> until he missed the open net, so it doesn't count anymore. But yeah, so he, he persisted with those guys more for the structure than anything. And it was Villanoy dominating them, and he just brought Ings on instead of Watkins up top. I don't know. I thought it was a good change. Yeah, it, it, it was okay. And he couldn't bring Buendia or Bailey off, really, though, because what did he have on the bench from an, uh, an attacking point of view, other than Ings, who he brought on anyway? And then Philip Coutinho, you know, he's, he's probably looking at the bench and just thinking he's giving him nothing. He's got, he's, got nothing, he's got nothing there to change. And he wanted to keep the system as well, obviously, so his hands were even more tied when you think of it from that perspective, because it is literally then continue on for Bundia. Yeah. But he already had continue on. He brought continue on at halftime. Like that was the big thing in that. So he was literally had no more changes to make. Yeah, exactly. And Aston Villa absolutely need to focus on white players and attacking players in this window. Like we need to be able to change in game and we need to be able to change Bailey pre-game. <laughs> Do you like Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty or here we go. Did, did we need to make so many changes against Stevenage? Like, <laughs> Sunday against a League 2 team to Friday against Leeds, I think we can not only afford to play our best team, but it would be helpful to play them. And not only for that game, because I thought the FA Cup was important anyway. The mindset was all off, but also now you're going into the Leeds match. Like, These boys haven't played in such a long time. I just feel like it was a weird thing to do. And you could talk about Olsen playing if you want as well. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the changes the personnel or the system it, it was his older job it was the mindset that you've said there like that's you can't begin into a game and not trying to win it i mean like how can he not get these players set up to win this game and as a, a lot of fringe players as well as we're talking about it a lot of fringe players who should be desperately trying to get into the aston villa team this is a manager who's only been in the job six games before this quite and fucking impress him you, you're playing tonight against a fucking terrible opposition as well. So your confidence should be sky high. Yeah. I think you should be able to go out there and dominate this game. Sanson ran around a bit, but he just didn't have any incision. Don't know where the fuck Matt Cash thought he was playing. Augustinson, he's not good enough for Aston Villa. He's, he's never going to get Aston Villa to where they want. And Philip Coutinho with more interest in putting the ball into the stand. It's unbelievable, diabolical performance from all those players. And then Leon Bailey was an absolute... I cannot believe... I really can't... I, I cannot believe Leon Bailey started this game. I can't believe he lasted more than 10 minutes because it was just one of those performances. As soon as you see it, 
And remember as well, Leon Bailey is a player who gets progressively worse as every game goes on. So when he starts like that, Jesus Christ, where do you think this is going? But as one of those performances, as soon as you see him on the ball, you know, you know he's not going to be at it today because he, he doesn't improve in games. And he was so bad. His decision-making was terrible. He was really, really fucking forcing things. And obviously that didn't work. <laughs> you mentioned Matt Cash there, the... I, I sort of enjoyed it. It was a, another level of shithousery from Emery when he brought Matt Cash and Callum Chambers onto the midfield four against uh, Spurs to see out that match. But then, then he started Matt Cash in midfield against Wolves. <laughs> I was like, "What? What's going on here?" <laughs> and I have to say, like you know, Matt Cash might have impressed on Soccer AM hitting the ball in the top bins. He might have played midfield before for Forrest, was it? He, he's not a midfielder anymore. Like he's a he's a mincing right back. And yeah, it was just it was frustrating to see him up there. He won the ball back a couple of times. <laughs> but you can do that from right back anyway, the way the way he can press up. But yeah, he had his switch that quickly at half time in the Wolves game. But that was um that was a weird decision, I think, to start with Matt Cash. John McGinn's out. Matt Cash is in. Weird, weird thing. That was a terrible decision. It was really, really, really bad from, from memory. I, can't, I cannot believe he did that. That was absolutely ridiculous. And then even the even the position that Matt Cash found himself in against Stevenies. Stevenies are playing 10 players in their own box and Aston Villa are trying to play Matt Cash as an inverted fullback, playing a mid, you know dropping into midfield to get on the ball. It was fucking stupid. Drag mm. them around the place. Get them out of their box. This is absolutely... I'm not saying get Matt Cash on the wing to whip it into their much taller centre halves and, you know, whipping balls into Bailey, Ings and Coutinho is not the solution that I'm saying here. What I'm saying is get Matt Cash out to the wing, pull the opposition out there as well, create a bit of space in the middle for the more intricate players that you've got on the pitch. Don't be playing Matt Cash fucking centre midfield. We've got enough of them on the pitch. Sanson, Dendonker, Louise and Coutinho are all there. We don't need Matt Cash joining in. Yeah. Get Matt Cash out to the wing, give him a couple of throw-ins. <laughs> the, the only other one I had for the like them Whelan take a 19-minute penalty award was that it's, it's coming back. I don't want to see that Wolves performance again. I don't want to see Wolves destroy us like that again. I feel like Wolves often outplay us. But um, yeah, I'm praising him for the halftime changes. We've had this now under Dean Smith, under Steven Gerrard. Did they not want to change anything in the first half? <laughs> I just talked about the River Foyle flowing through Aston Villa's defence. Like we were lucky we didn't concede a second goal there and he didn't act. I don't know, maybe they deserve some praise for hanging in there. I feel like it was more down to luck or wolves not being that good that they didn't get a second goal. Yeah, that that is the classic thing. I just hope we can get through to half time. Tell your team about the changes you might make during the game. You know, yeah. <laughs> So you don't have to get them into the change room to explain that you're taking Matt Cash out of midfield as if they're going to be so unused to that. <laughs> they, they'll, they'll come to grips with that fairly fucking quickly, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, you don't, but this is a fascination that all managers and all even commentators talking about it seem to think. You have to get to the 45th minute. It's, it's unbelievable. Prepare your team, not just for the initial setup, for the subsequent setups that might happen during the game because... You have a fairly good idea how Wolves might set up, but you might get fucking wrong. <laughs> All right. We're on to WhatsApp whinges. At uh, a rare point of the show, but I just thought we needed to do the Vimin meter, and I felt better after the Vimin meter, if truth be told. But I uh, only have two WhatsApp whinges here, and the first one comes from a tweeter named Andrew, who put it so perfectly. He said, Is there a club anywhere in the world other than Villa? who can employ a manager widely seen as a cup competition magician <laughs> only to go out two cups in the first seven games, including one at home to a bunch of postmen and plumbers. I mean, <laughs> does some, and the thing, the, the mad thing about this is not like you and I, Emery's come in and stunk the place up for the first seven games. We just talked about what a great return it's been from the first five games in the league. <laughs> and then in the cup competitions, we beat United in the league, hammered United in the league, and we lost them in the cup. We beat Spurs in the league and we lost to Stevenage in the cup. I mean, what what is going on? Is, is this Unai Emery now trying to get the league form right that he's been criticised for in the past? 
Yeah, but like, like I've said before, Aston Villa have a good enough team to finish between 7th and 8th in the Premier League. Probably 8th this year is, is the peak of their ambition, and they can do that. They can catch Brentford while playing a game five days later after playing a full-strength cup side. Like, you know, it's it's not, it's not outside of possibility that Aston Villa's professional footballers could play two games in two weeks. It's I, I think they'd be able to manage that, to be honest. It's it's unbelievable that he said he wants to win the FA Cup. He said that before the game, and his players can't motivate themselves. What a boom that should have been for these Aston Villa players! Like this is, this is exactly what they should be wanting to hear from the manager. He's talking about winning the secondary competition in the country, yeah. and they still can't get themselves up for it. He can't get them up for it. Nobody's able to motivate anybody in the entire Aston Villa setup there to play against Stevenage, even though he said he wants to win this game because he wants to win the FA Cup. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. But it should have been a priority because Aston Villa finishing between 8th and 13th is, isn't, like I've said before, it doesn't fucking matter. If Aston Villa finished between 8th and 13th and win a cup, imagine how fucking brilliant that would be. So the fact that he would change the team is ridiculous. He plays he played a weakened team against a Man United side. He had just battered days before. Yeah. It's incredible. And then he sends out a team with absolutely no urgency against a League Two side. Yeah, I don't know where I stand anymore, really, on anything. Like, it's just... Uh, <laughs> it's so schizophrenic. Like, I, I came on after we lost to Liverpool, and I'm, I'm questioning, are Villa actually that good? Like, Villa lose Liverpool well, and I'm coming on saying, I think they're good, you know? And then the first podcast I'm doing after they beat Spurs, I feel terrible. Like, I, I just feel like we're shit again. I, I, I just don't know where we stand. I can't take this back and forward anymore. Like since the Dean Smith days, it's been Jekyll and Hyde. And I still can't say for certain how good any of these players are. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do think it's a tricky question. And I, 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 wish, I wish I didn't want to to write off the season. I wish we still had the cup competition. <laughs> 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 but like, you know, the, the Aston Villa aren't going to qualify for Europe through the league now. So it's just about, you know, trying to have a few good days along the way. There's too many better teams ahead of us. Like the top, the top seven is almost nailed on. It's it, maybe Spurs could have an absolute capitulation, but they've got a lot more points than Aston Villa have at the minute. But it is probably going to be a largely about Una Emery finding out about just how bad some of these some of these lads are, and don't worry, they'll fucking show it to him as well. <laughs> imagine, imagine wanting to qualify for Europe when you can't play Stevenage and Leeds in six days. <laughs> what what hope would we have like trying to compete in Europe? But like that, if you're not if you're not going to try to win the League Cup and the FA Cup, are you going to try to win the Conference League? Like, mm. What is the point? You're right. What is the point of what is the point of supporting Aston Villa, Colin? You're right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you another thing. We need to start asking what the point would be of is this podcast is fucking done if Harry Maguire signs for Aston Villa. <laughs> I have to tell you, like I just I, I saw a pile of notifications come through, and I was like. Surely all these people at once haven't just decided they're fed up with Liam being off. Like, I, suddenly we have 21 notifications and I'm like, that that doesn't look right. So I click into it and it's just Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire, the Villa podcast, the Villa podcast, the Villa podcast. And it is funny, but it is also worrying. <laughs> and I don't mean just from an Aston Villa point of view. I just mean from this podcast point of view as well. I mean, that. That would be weird. It would be a weird signing. It would be weird suddenly having to talk about Harry Maguire coming out with the ball. <laughs> this, <laughs> this supposed good on the ball trait that he has. Um, we would be seeing it. We'd just be seeing him instead of Mings, maybe like carrying the ball out. Um, uh, thankfully, Fabrizio Romano has gotten involved and in saying there's no truth from either side in it, and they stand at United. But I did. It wasn't so much that I worried. I just wondered, like, what, what, how would we deal with that? <laughs> I'm, I'm just back from my honeymoon, and it was like walking, walking into the bedroom to find the other great love of my life shagging the fucking dork, the biggest loser that we know, <laughs> and everyone knows about it as well. They've all been laughing behind your back. You know how shit must Liam be in bed if this is who Aston Villa are getting into bed with the minute he turns his back. <laughs> 
I don't I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but nobody should be signing Harry Maguire. I mean, his career should end when his contract ends. Like all anyone has seen for the last three years is that he's not good enough to play football, let alone for a top seven team like Man United, or therefore an aspirational top seven team like Aston Villa. Like we'd be signing Maguire because he's a Man United player. In inverted commas. Yeah. Because because he belongs to a great institution. He has some reflected glory. It was like Carius moving to Besiktas. I mean, that Besiktas director of football must have been concussed when he made that decision. <laughs> the, only, the only career the only career that should be open to Harry Maguire now is clowning, but the fucking ringmaster's going to have to have to balance the money he'll save on Harry Maguire's makeup because his face will already be black and blue and red from hitting himself in the face with juggling balls versus the money he'll have to spend to recast the rest of the clowns. Because don't get me wrong, as much as Harry Maguire is an absolutely enthralling performer, an incredible slapstick comedian, it's all improvised. So you'd have to recruit an entire new alley of clowns so you're able to react to his chaos genius that he has. Because no one has a fucking clue what he's going to do next. <laughs> and there was a proportion of people and it it probably shows more where you're at as a club as I'm talking about the inconsistency and the, the lack of confidence that we feel in ourselves at the minute you know being Aston Villa supporters but a lot of people were very quickly warm into the idea because of that institution of Man United you know, the, the Tim Howard effect where we're, we're signing somebody from United to they call Phil Bardsley, all, all the boys that rocked up at Sunderland. They, they played for United, they must be good. It's like, no, they mustn't. Like, they, they're players who played for United, yes. But Harry Maguire, not only would he cost an absolute fortune to pay and play in your team, isn't an upgrade. He's not an upgrade. Like I don't care how many balls he had to clear in the World Cup. I've said before, Harry Maguire is great in there. I've even said sometimes, sometimes Harry Maguire is all right, you know, like, I don't even mean that in that he's decent, I mean that and he didn't make a cock up that day, and that, <laughs> that's fine, he'll head the ball away, but we don't need to sell ourselves short like that by now suddenly saying, do you know what, actually that would be a good sign, and comparing it, people were comparing it to Paul McGrath, because he was signed from Manchester United <laughs> as well. <laughs> That was amazing at United. He was absolutely brilliant. He was just drinking and Fergie went in to tackle that culture. That was his brief. Like, let's clean up the culture at Man United. It was a big shock to people and to Paul McGrath that Fergie was getting rid of him. Villa were the beneficiaries. Villa doubled his wages. That's what they did. They doubled his wages and they said they would pay him more year on year because it was obvious that Paul McGrath was worth that. Imagine doubling Harry Maguire's wages. <laughs> Come on, like just take a breather, have a look around and say, is that really an upgrade? It's not. And I imagine trying to play a high line, a Unai Emery high line with Harry fucking Maguire running around. God almighty. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a sight to behold. I mean, that's just a, that's a crisis in self confidence and subjugation that runs through a lot of humans on the planet. You know, they just think that. Harry Maguire is the better because he plays for Man United. He plays terribly for Man United. Let's yeah. judge him on his football and ability for Man United, not the fact that he plays for them. He's absolutely fucking atrocious when he plays for them. And I'm not like I I've nearly nearly exploded in this podcast trying to explain this to people. It's not that he's not good enough for Man United. He's fucking not good enough to play football. He's terrible. <laughs> He's got no redeeming qualities. Whenever he hit that penalty, one of the best penalties I've ever seen in the European Championship <laughs> final, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. Like, where the fuck did that come from? It was completely incongruous with his entire career before that. The man can't move. And you want him to stand on the halfway line and try to get back whenever nippy little forwards from Stevenage are ripping through your defence. <laughs> like, that's... That's not going to work. <laughs> Harry Maguire isn't good enough to play football at this level. Full stop. Um, that, that penalty is something I do have to reckon with qu- probably daily. I, 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 I think about it. <laughs> I think about it and I wonder. I question things that I thought to be true in the world. I, I question logic. I, qu- I question everything I hold dear. And it's like, 
What what happened? He, he struck through the ball. He struck <laughs> under and through the ball, whipped it with the outside of his boot, basically, pinged it into the roof, top corner. Perfect fucking penalty by Harry Maguire. Put that in a sentence. Madness. <laughs> All right, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Talking about paying Harry Maguire. Are people actually still paying David De Gea money to be a goalkeeper? <laughs> if anybody didn't see the Connor Cody goal, this is the next level. We criticise David De Gea for not getting Leon Bailey's shot in uh, in the Villa game where he sprinted through and, and banged it in. Like you know, at least at least that went close to the bottom corner, sort of. Not really. <laughs> Connor Cody, it's like. You would get pissed off at somebody in indoor football for doing this. Like he's he's holding on to the post. The ball comes into his feet. And he, he, he hits it under his own legs. He doesn't even try to kick the ball away. It's like he's trying to get out of goals. Like, it's my turn. Oh, there's a goal. All right, I'm out. Who's in? He run, <laughs> runs out with the ball that he's picked up from the back of his net. It was madness. He's the highest paid goalkeeper on the planet. Yeah, for someone who's supposed to be good with his feet as well, you think he realised that he needs to move his legs and he can move his legs, not just from the knee joint. It was unbelievable. Why was he putting his knees together? What the fuck was that? Yeah. Has this man moved in real life before he started? Maybe because he was holding the post, he couldn't actually move. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe he was temporarily paralysed or something. It was bizarre. It was just bizarre to look at. I still can't figure out what he was doing. It's, it's It's hard to imagine someone... Sorry, hard to recall, rather, someone who who has needed a change of scenery more than David De Gea, and for so long as well. This man has been shit for over four years now, and it would be tragic if it wasn't just hilarious. I mean, what are Man United and De Gea doing together still? Like, neither of them want to be in this relationship. De Gea can't get out of it because he's dependent on Man United, and Man United's ego is too big to admit it hasn't worked. And I don't give me this bullshit either about Man United can't afford to get rid of him or bench him because of the size of his contract. Man United have spent four hundred million pound on Pogba, Maguire, Lukaku, Sancho, and Di Maria. Like Man United have no problem spending money. They can get rid of David De Gea, pay him off. It isn't working. <laughs> they have no money. There's no problem spending money on David De Gea. <laughs> 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 to play in gold for them like that's how mad they are with their money that's how careless they are <laughs> just take the money that you're already spending on David De Gea to lose games for you and use that <laughs> as a good investment to get rid of the problem ah it's, it's, it's madness there's loads more to talk about I mean we'll probably have to chat about Frank Lampard's Everton at some stage I was going to talk about it today but I thought ah I'll just wait now until he gets sacked in the next week or two and we can, we can chat about it then <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll save up save up that and that's probably enough for now it's great to have you back Liam do you feel any better after that? oh I feel so much better reliving last night's disaster yeah obviously every time I think about Aston Villa losing to a League 2 side it just you know fills my heart with joy <laughs> we'll give our best to your new wife as well because this has been great it's been brilliant to have you back um, and yeah Villa playing Leeds on Friday we'll probably have the podcast on Saturday for you but look we're not making any promises now at this stage because you all know what happens you're not even listening at this stage and you get hurt no matter what <laughs> no matter what we say so uh, thanks if you did make it this far and uh, thanks for all the support as usual and please share the podcast on considering we have missed a few weeks now or a few games so um, don't want to fall out of favour of anybody so if you can help uh, push it back into their timelines or whatever we'd really appreciate it um, thanks again for listening and we will chat to you at the weekend all the best the wind is calling my name and I-